Similar to a well-tuned automobile, a guitar requires the same level of attention to perform at its very best. No matter how expensive your guitar may be, we will treat you and your instrument with the utmost respect. Call 920-723-1733 or visit jeffsguitar.com. Jeff's Guitar Clinic in Ford Atkinson, we love guitars. The attorneys at Jingris, Thompson & Walks have had the honor of receiving numerous awards for their work both in and outside the courtroom. But just as important as receiving accolades for being skilled attorneys, it's equally important to give back to the community in which they live and work. If you want a personal attorney that can help you in so many different areas, they've got them. They're in Eau Claire, Madison, Milwaukee, and Waukesha. They're easy to reach. GTWlawyers.com. That's GTWlawyers. Welcome to another podcast at FliesOffice.com, brought to you by the Operating Engineers Local 139 and also Madison Teamsters Local 695. Joining us now is Deb Baldus McGrath. She is a candidate for the 3rd Congressional District, the seat being vacated by Congressman Ron Kind. She is a Menominee resident, grew up in Menominee. Her father was a congressman for the 3rd District from 1975 to 1981. Deb, welcome to the show. I remember meeting your father when he came to UW-Platteville, and I was a student back there in 1980. Sly, um, it, was, it was such a pleasure to meet you, and because when, I, when you talk about the history that we have here in Wisconsin— it is about democracy. Isn't it? When, we, when we look back at how we learned to, about voting rights and how we learned about you know, the process, electoral process, it was all about those personal relationships and that we do step out to help. And so thank you for being that kind of person, Sly. Um, and my father had told me about you. So thank you for continuing to keep our democracy strong through your voice. Well, tell me about your background. You obviously have led an absolutely incredible life. It is not Mm -hmm. your typical uh, life of someone running for Congress. This is your first race for politics. Your whole career has been involved in a different type of public service. Tell me how you got from point A to now point D. Well, thank you, Sly. Well, as as you said, you know, I was born and raised here in Menominee. And, you know, my father, Al Baldus, you know, had had been a farmer and and then you know became a legislator and then later congressman and then legislator again my mom was a teacher and they taught me to listen and we you know we knew that service was the most important responsibility in our community that you didn't you, that, that was how communities thrived was taking care of each other and so my my father taught me take the toughest jobs he said you know First, nobody will fight you for them, and you'll gain leadership, and especially at a time uh, as a woman. And he'd been in the army, and he'd been uh, he'd served in World War II and in the Korean conflict, and so he encouraged me to join the military at a time when few women did. And the military paid for my college, and so I joined the army, and right after I graduated, and I put my hand up for the toughest jobs, and found myself in airborne school. Now, so I, I was afraid of heights, so I don't know quite how <laughs> this happened, but there I was. And in those first hours, there were many of the so many fellow soldiers were falling out from the rigorous drills and runs. And by sunrise, I was the only female. 
and I of the 140 soldiers, and the sergeants would have loved for to make me quit. They would have they spit on me. They, I was I, I was more likely than not, Lieutenant Baldus, let's have you demonstrate the parachute landing fall one more time while everybody wait gets lined up for chow, and you know, but I wouldn't quit and I wouldn't give up. And on the uh, first day, the the first day, first jump, they put me in front of the line. Well, I knew that meant I was going to be the first one out of the door. So I looked behind at my fellow soldiers, and I smiled. And uh, as I left the plane and saw the tail, I knew that that was the drive that I would bring to the rest of my life and that it was about serving others. It was about serving our nation, that that's, that's what gave me passion. Well, let's put, so, this, let's put this in context. You're the same age as I am. You're, you're the part of the generation that lived through the Vietnam War. The military was not popular in the right. late 1970s. Uh, people right. were not rushing in droves to join the military. I remember the recruiter calling my house, and I said no. Uh, you said yes. Yes. Right, because I, and, and, and not many women did. But I, I did know that this was a way to serve my country, and I knew that it was going to put me in a place um, that I would be uncomfortable, but I would learn. So when you talk about the A to B thing, you know, so I, after that, you know, I, I served on the DMZ, um, and, and I'm, my husband and I got married, and, and like many families, when you're starting a family, so I, then, of course, there was no couple, tandem couple program, so we looked at each other, one of us was going to have to get out when we, were, when we had found out we were having a child, and so I became a military spouse and mother, and we moved and moved and moved, and it, and it was a wonderful life, but military family sacrifice. And I volunteered, and that's where I became an advocate for education and health care. Um, and after 9-11, my husband was, he was Special Forces uh, Army Ranger, and he was posted in Uzbekistan, and I knew that, uh, we were overseas at the time, I knew that I needed to have a safe place for the kids, you know, the big what if. So we came home to Menominee to our log cabin, and we started renovating it, and uh, and it was it was you know, at a time when the world looked shaky, this was a, a place you know, that felt safe. And shortly after that, I was recruited to work at the CIA in, in an undercover status. And, you know, we did it together. My husband and I, you know, took turns, sometimes being a single parent. The kids were, were amazingly resilient through all of this. But they also knew that this, we were serving our nation. And I put my hand up for the toughest jobs again, our war zones and... Um, you know the the toughest assignments, and and so sly. When I you know I was in a war zone even in 2020, and I came back and I saw how COVID had just ravaged our our Wisconsin's uh, family, you know, the businesses and the farms, and I saw the supply chain uh, problems, and but then worst of all, of course, the political divide, and and then I you know Ron Kind came. Uh, the DVO came within three points of beating Ron Kind. I thought, boy, this is close to home. And then worse, January 6th, which you and I have talked about. Um, and to see our own capital attack, which I had you know, witnessed abroad. You know, that's, we were there to help create stable governments. And to see this happening here, heart-wrenching. And then to find out that DVO was there. Well, and when, you, when you're saying DVO, you're talking about Derek Van Orden. Right. Okay. Right. And, and Derek so, Van Orden, at least according to the Daily Beast, was in places on the Capitol grounds he not he should not have been. Uh, he denies that, but there are some interesting pictures. Uh, 
so and of course uh, an ethics complaint has been filed against him for using campaign cash to take people out there this is after he lost uh but i want to get back to your cia background Mm -hmm. because you lived in russia correct i did uh so of course i have to be very careful about how i say it but i did live five years in russia um in the time my husband was a military attache and so you know he he was there you know as a as an assistant army attache and an army attache and so and of course there were many overlaps with my agency experience as well but my husband was posted there so five years total five right and so i understand what this tyranny looks like and we were there with you know with putin uh was uh, you know the president and so I understand what it's like when cell phone towers are shut down and the TV goes off where there's no uh, freedom of expression, no freedom of press. I have seen an oppressed people, and I know those Russians, it was not so long ago that they lived under the Soviet Union. They, it's, it's fresh in their minds. So this is a, yeah, this is a terrible period in, in Russian history, for sure. And... You're a practicing Catholic. I think you mentioned something to me while you were in Russia. It wasn't so easy practicing your faith. Right. So I, in fact, my husband's a Catholic and my father is Catholic and my mom's Lutheran. And so I practice, I've practiced in both faiths, but my husband's the practicing Catholic and we go every week to Mass. And you are right, Sly, that we had to meet in secret, we it was one of the, we, that we had to meet in small homes, the chapel. Um, and in fact, I you know still want to be you, know, you want to be careful about it because I know that now Catholics are, will be having a very difficult time to to um, you know to worship, and so we would have to go and let people in at the gate at the embassy to to worship with us um, and sign them in. We'd have to go at you know five thirty at night on Saturday night or Sunday night, not at traditional times to go to mass. So yes, it was very difficult to serve out to to worship outside of Russian Orthodoxy at the time. Although they said in in theory that it was free, but they made it very difficult. So you know sometimes politicians that focus on on foreign affairs. Uh, somehow are painted as out of touch. But I think we've learned throughout this whole situation that's been going on the last 20 days that these things affect us in profound ways. Former Senator Russ Feingold wrote a book after he left the U.S. Senate, and some criticized him for focusing on Africa during his tenure. But he wrote a book called While America Sleeps, talking about the perils of ignoring what's going on in and around the world and how it affects America. What would you like to do with your incredibly unique experience and incredible story? How would you like to use that if the voters of Western Wisconsin send you to Congress? Well, Sly, you hit, you hit the nail on the head there that we have to focus on, you know, we have to focus on this district, have to make sure that Wisconsin gets its fair share because a stable world depends on a stable America. So we definitely need to focus on what is what is happening here to make sure that we have an that families thrive, our economy thrives, we have strong national security. So that when when I, I want to make sure that families are taken care of. So when we you know, we talk about health care and education and 
um, we have internet access and you know supply chains. All of those are going to be top of mind for me. Um, and and yet and and of course rights, voting rights, because we have to have a strong democracy. Our rights are so important: voting rights and reproductive rights. Those issues. But when but when you're to your point about Feingold, when that looking at at a a strong America also needs a peaceful world so that we can't, so that those supply chains are open so we can get our beans and our grain and our potatoes to those countries so that, so that our economy thrives. And, and so that things we need can come to us. And a, a peaceful world is a thriving world. And so what we're going to see right now is, is exactly what we're seeing now is an economically uh, crippling period because of war, because of aggression. So I will be able to bring my experience based on those 25 years, in both in the Army and the CIA, and much of it abroad, uh, to say, listen, I understand what's happening in Africa. I understand China. While we're watching Russia now, but China is still one of our, our number one competitive targets. This is you know they they have laid out the Belt and Road Initiative, and that is that is going to be economically crippling for the rest of the world. Look, sometimes so I will be able to talk about that. Sometimes uh, even good-meaning Democrats make mistakes when it comes to foreign policy or understanding things. Do you remember where you were and your reaction when? Former, well, then former Massachusetts Governor Mitt Romney in the debates with Barack Obama said that Russia was the number one threat facing the United States. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. I do. And what do you remember? What, what was your reaction? You're like, yeah, he's talking about something that is pretty crucial. Yes. Well, it has always been. And if you look even at national security policy, Russia has always been, you know, in the top four. And and we cannot forget this. We cannot forget that Russia has been playing by its, you know, they're chess players. They're, they're not the football team. They're chess players. They have been working this out for decades about how they, how they slowly advance and slowly take and take, take and take. And, uh, and the disinformation campaign has been going on for years and years. So much of their own population, much of them believe it. Um, so Russia is absolutely one of our is one of our main targets. So I, I, when, I, when I talk about China, is that you know right now we're so focused on Russia, we absolutely agree and we understand it is a target, um, but we can't forget about those other pieces of, of national security at this point. And I, you know, I think what makes this period different than the Cold War is a we've got war going on, but b we we have democracy under attack here in the United States. So this is a right. This this is a uh, kind of a two step you have to do to deal with this current situation because not only is there peril abroad but peril at home. So I, you are right, I, and I think I think Putin. You know, this was timing for him. He thought, boy, you know, he was just clapping his hands, thinking, oh boy, look at America's. You know, we, and it was his campaign, his disinformation campaign that put us in this place. You know, and that that really laid the seeds for this years ago and that he's been disrupting our elections and he's been feeding a lot of this, you know, this vitriol. Um, and he certainly had it. No, the past administration had, had Trump in his pocket. And so our nation has become further divided because of the, of what the Russia disinformation campaign, but now it is our responsibility. We have to recognize this and say what is most important. 
and it is our it is our nation's stability, and we have got to get back to that. We need to all of us buckle down and say what's most way. And maybe that is something that we have seen is that people come together. The fact to say, all right, we have to help a struggling a struggling sovereign nation. Look at what is happening there. You know, we need to we need to support Ukraine. We need to be like Ukraine. We need to band together and show that unity. So that that it is that important, and that's why when you talk about 1980, remember that's how we felt. <laughs> that's how we felt. But you know, it's everybody's flag. Nobody can take that from us. We'll take a break. We'll continue speaking with congressional candidate Deb McGrath, who's running in the third congressional district in Wisconsin, right here at SlyOffice.com. I want to thank all the labor unions here in Dane County that help keep SlyOffice.com up and going so you keep up to date, whether it be the Madison Firefighters, Local 311, or the Madison Teamsters, Local 695, or our friends at Madison Teachers Incorporated. These are some of the most active local unions who organize, 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 and constantly stand up for workers. Thank you from SlyOffice.com. When you're looking for a new computer or need help with one you already own, call 231-8000 and Madison Computer Works will get things up and running for you. Madison Computer Works, computers that work for you. We're back at SlyOffice.com. Congressional candidate Deb McGrath with us. She is running for the election that will, first in August, there'll be a primary and then a general election in November to fill the seat that Ron Kind has held since 1996. Uh, Deb, I want to talk a little bit before we get our foreign policy and talk more about domestic policy. Do you agree with President Biden that we should not be enforcing a no-fly zone over Ukraine? Or do you think that there is a way for the United States to do it without getting into World War III? Boy, that is such a great question. Everybody's talking about that slide. So this is this is my thought, is that the, that right now, we have got to be in lockstep with our allies. We need to make sure that we are that we are not stepping ahead of our allies. That what when we talk about the no-fly zone, this is not just about us. This is about what we're doing with our allies. And as I as I mentioned before, that we that there when we look at not just our allies but our diplomatic efforts, our intelligence efforts, our military and economic levers, all need to be in sync. And so that the no-fly zone is is not just taken out as one of those steps. So it is what I what I can see is that the Biden administration has been making sure that they don't escalate this, so that the Russian that Putin can think this is about us. So I think that that is a prudent measure. However, we what we need to do is is make sure that we have. When we when we look at Poland, when we look at Estonia, and what is being done there, that we are supporting those NATO allies, that we are in full support of what they're doing. I'm, and a lot of times that I I've learned is that it's not what people see because you can't telegraph everything that's happening. Sly, so I am I have a bit of confidence in my belly that there are other things going on that are just, that that we that aren't being transmitted to Putin but that are being that are happening behind the scenes. Um, so I think we're getting closer to this and but that it won't be just us. What are your thoughts on Do, that? Side? Well, I I'm I I I'm waiting for 
obviously, to see what President Biden does. He's talking about going to Europe to make a trip. Uh, you know, my my heart, would I feel good? Would I get instant gratification watching us protect the skies of Ukraine? Yes, I would. But I, I try to remember that there are, for every action, there's a reaction. Uh, as far as letting countries into NATO, do you think that Ukraine should have been led into NATO a long time ago after 2014, after they, they showed that they were a functioning democracy? Yeah. I, and, of course, you know, this is us talking about, uh, about a bigger process. And, yes, again, if you, if you and I had been, you know, in the, those levels, and we'd been fighting hard for this, you know, I, I wish, yes. I certainly wish that there had been a, a quicker a process and that they weren't in this situation now. And I do understand there's the levers, you know, that we, that we have, the economy had to be in a certain place. Their vote, you know, that they had to, that their corruption measures were all, um, that, and that their, their voting rights and all those other things that, that they said there is no fast track to, to NATO. But we are in a in an extraordinary circumstance, and I hope that their leadership will take a look at this again and and help them. So same thing with the EU. So <laughs> right. I certainly hope that this can be expedited. Slide. Let's talk about how the third congressional district can advance. You know, there's a lot of poverty, uh, a lack of infrastructure as far as the internet. Uh, you have. You have some parts of the 3rd Congressional District that hug the Twin Cities that are doing very well. Eau Claire is doing very well. But parts of the district are not doing well. And, do you know, the small towns that are drying up, school districts having to merge. What would you like to accomplish as the, the next congressperson for the 3rd Congressional District when it comes to making a largely rural district functioning and have prosperity. Well, Sly, you, it sounds like you're, you're part of my campaign team here because you have hit the nail on the head that we need to, we need to bring back the, the thriving economy to this region. It is, that is not just our beautiful waterways, which are, you know, a place for tourism and recreation, but these beautiful small towns just take your breath away. This is, this is what America, this, so goes Wisconsin, so goes the rest of this nation. And we need to be able to help businesses thrive. And when you, you, when you said it, infrastructure is one, of our, is one of the major pieces to this. And it is not just infrastructure with roads and bridges. It is about our waterways because they are not just recreational, but they are for commerce. And we need to be able to make sure that we are that we have conservation efforts for the next hundred years. When you talked about inter- broadband, and it is about high-speed internet to these, but it shouldn't cost more for someone on a farm to have internet than someone in town. That is, it is, it is just unfair, especially for our schools and for for those kids who are having to do. You know that their families don't have enough data that they're sending their homework from a parking lot at the Quick Trip or at the library. So you know those are small building blocks, but that also can help small towns thrive if we give them those opportunities. Um, Also, healthcare is something that people really that that that's another building block. Rural healthcare is going to be very important for folks because they need to to know that they're going to be able to live their healthy lives. And whether it's through telehealth or through satellites, and, and I've even talked about trying to help get veterans you know, in, into rural health care jobs, 
so that we can, you know, that people can come home like I did. I couldn't wait to, you know, this, is, this has been my home. This is exactly, absolutely where I wanted to be. Other veterans, too, but they want to have good-paying jobs. So I think it starts with that. And, of course, there's many, many other building blocks. We could talk about pre-K and child care. So the, so the president came to Superior, which is not in the 3rd Congressional District, but it is in western Wisconsin, and talked about the importance of infrastructure. Are you surprised that your potential Republican opponent and Republicans, uh, you know, so many of them that are the most fervent Trump supporters, didn't join the bipartisan effort to support infrastructure? Boy, that is just mind-boggling. I mean, I, I, I agree completely, Sly. What in the world? Why, why in the world wouldn't Republicans have run to, the, to this, run to this and say, okay, this is going to make a difference. You know, this is, this is something we all need. And that, you know, when we talk about supply chain economics and, you know, this is, it plays right into that. So absolutely, this is a, this is an area where I have seen countries that work on their infrastructure. It is a, it takes time. You, and it, and it has to be in the rural districts too. You can't just work on it in cities. You know, for instance, here we've got farmers that can't get their, you know, there's only 60 containers, I heard, from, you know, a week from, you know, even going, you know, from western Wisconsin down to Chicago that because there's such a glut. I mean, we, people are, there's, can't get their product to market. This is, uh, it, you know, I agree. I don't know how Republicans can look themselves in the mirror and, and not have voted for this. Pre-K, uh, child care, uh, Senator Ron Johnson recently said that it, parents are on their own when it comes to uh, the cost of child care. If you look at the most recent census, one of the problems with Wisconsin not gaining in population in rural areas is that people can't afford to have kids. Uh, how important for the economy is making sure that parents have child care? And uh, do you agree with Ron Johnson's accept, uh, perception that parents are on their own? Oh my gosh! And then that was no. And then Ron Johnson's the same one who doesn't, you know, doesn't support reproductive rights. Well, wait a minute, you know, you you're going to get into families' decisions about whether to have children or not, and then you say you're on your own. What what is that about? You know, so so first of all, let's start to say families deserve the right to start families. You know that reproductive rights are, you know, that they that can't be legislated, and then. I myself, that this is very personal to me. I had, I got out of the military because we couldn't afford childcare. We knew that one of us was going, that one of us was going to have to work, and one of us was going to have to stay home. So I absolutely, and when I say this to groups, and you can see people nod, men and women nod their heads, you know. And we have a lot of farms, farmers where you know people are working second jobs because somebody has to stay home and somebody needs to pay for the childcare. So child care is going to be a, a huge piece of our of, of economic recovery. We've got to get this, and we need to work on the people who provide child care. We need to incentivize that, that group of workers because it has been a marginalized and invisible workforce, and they don't make it is hard to get people into that because they're not making enough money to get by. So that is so we need to make child care affordable and accessible and available. So, and that, and, and I think that there's those couple of pieces to it is making sure that people can get the training to do it, and that it's also means tested, of course, that people can afford it, and and that we have. And same goes for seniors, of course. We've, you know, we've got to. So oftentimes in these small towns, 
the seniors want to stay at home, and yet someone has to sometimes somebody has to stay home with them. Um, so the caregiving profession is going to be key to this. Well, and, and as baby boomers crazy. get as baby boomers get older, the the scourge of Alzheimer's adds another layer to this yeah. as well. As you've traveled around the huge district that you would like to represent, is there anything that has surprised you um, or, or really left an impact on you as you visited with people? The, when I am meeting people, the level of dedication and commitment to ensuring our democracy thrives, that the, the fact that people say, we're, you know what, we're so glad you're doing this. Please keep, and don't, you know, don't stop and keep using your bold voice and, you know, and stand up, stand up and go toe-to-toe for us. Um, that level of excitement and commitment I had not seen in a long, long time. And I think we know what we almost lost. I think those people in Wisconsin now, they, that people are woken up and are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. We need to have a Democrat in this seat because Wisconsin will not get its fair share if we don't have a, if we don't have solid principled leadership in this seat. There won't there would only be two Democratic Congress people in all of all of eight. There's not even an ability to handle all the, the committee assignments. We have to have this third seat, and this one is the one that represents all of rural Wisconsin, not just the third district, but there's. Mark Buchanan and Gwen Moore have got the city. So this is an important seat, and people get it. And people are willing, they're willing to work for it. There's going to be a force. And what what does it say that Republicans' efforts in the legislature to make this a non-competitive district, uh, rather than... Rather than trying to get more competitive districts, they wanted fewer competitive districts. Actually, they wanted to eliminate the last two competitive districts, and right. they lost. But it's a right. it's really remarkable that they don't that they don't think competitive districts are a good thing because, to me, there should be all sorts of third congressional districts in America. Every race should be contested and competitive where it can be. That's democracy. That is democracy. A real democracy, rather than right. just you know having right. two names on the ballot where one one person doesn't have any chance at all. All right, if people would like to help you, where do they go? Well, DebMcGrathForCongress.com, and, of course, we would love your support. So we, need, we, need our, we're, we have a fantastic volunteer base, we, we, but it's, and it's, of course, we want everybody to help. And, of course, we would love your financial support. We are showing strength against Van Orden. He's got a huge war chest, and we are gaining on him. So he cannot buy this race. No way. So thank you, Sly. Oh, no problem. Hang on the line for just a second. Deb Baldus-McGrath, candidate for Congress in Wisconsin's 3rd Congressional District, with us today at Sly'sOffice.com. Sly'sOffice.com. Thanks a million. Bye-bye.